Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Baby, uh, breaking news this morning. I'm sure you've already gotten a text or something from Jared, but uh, Tom mm. Brady has retired again. Um, are you going to have to like fly to Kansas City and do some <laughs> like emergency pastoral counseling for your boy or... I know I you know. To I mean, travel. That just, that'll be tough, but yeah, um, no, I know. I, I, I didn't hear that. So I appreciate yeah, that news. Yeah. I, I do. We, you know, that that's like a pastor saying, you know, I'm on my last point, you know, like, do, do we actually <laughs> yeah. believe, do we actually <laughs> believe what this guy's telling anybody? At this well, point? that's a, that's a, that's actually a really fair question and a really great analogy. Yeah. That, that last point could go a while, boys. We've, uh, we've, we've all been there. We've all seen the last <laughs> point go real long. So, uh, I don't know, man, this one's feeling more, um, more legitimate, more permanent than the last one. So there might be a lot of emotion uh, for you to have to deal with today. From with Jared C. Jared. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Let me, can I ask you a question on that, T? I've, sure. I've been curious yeah. about this, and I feel like you'd be able to give a, a really good yeah, answer. Cool. I feel like everybody that t- that tells me about the Brady coming out of retirement <laughs> thing, um, they always, they literally almost 10 for 10 now, they've uh-huh. said this to me. They've said, okay. and it's really surprising to me that he would sacrifice his wife and family to play another year. And yeah. my immediate response is you think that's the thing that his, that broke up his family? Like you think like he made that decision and all of a sudden they just started having <laughs> marital issues. Like it yeah. always feels so it's so weird to me that almost everybody I've talked to about this like yeah. says that. Like that's the that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm like that 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 can't be true. That's not true. Yeah, What's your well, take on that? It's uh, that's a great question, and it's and it's weird. And I should just by way of distinction um, say out loud that he didn't like carry his family up a mountain and like strap them to a boulder and kill them. He didn't sacrifice them in that way uh, in order to keep playing football. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the the that's definitely the narrative, right? Like the implication in that statement is like he had this choice of I can either play football and lose my family, or quit football and have like a lovely, happy, fulfilling marriage. And Pipe, you made the point on our on our sports podcast. There's always more to it with divorce. So um I'm sure that was a I don't I'm not sure. I don't know Tom Brady, but I'm guessing it was a factor. But I'm also guessing it it wasn't even close to the only factor. And with these guys mm. that are like pathologically competitive slash, you know, almost sociopathic about it, like I'm guessing they aren't a great hang around the house some of the time. So, you know, you, you sort of, you're, you're making assumptions about what home life was like and scheduling must have been a nightmare. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of, you know, Brady just launched like a, he launched a clothing line. He's got a podcast. It's like, if you're Tom Brady, how many things do you need? You know, do you, do you really need all that? And at some point you have to, I guess, start making choices in honor of your family and like time with people and all that. How, but that's easy for me to say. How weird must it be to though? I mean, I'm, I'm not defending Brady. I think he's, he probably is in need of some, some significant, you know, help. Uh, but how mm-hmm. weird must it be to, to arrive at age 44 or whatever he is now and be like, and I'm done being good at the one thing everybody knows me for. 
Like you're, you're, you are, you, mm. you are done societally mattering yeah. halfway yeah. through life. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a I mean, great this question. is a, this is a spiritual issue. I mean, at the end of the day, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a, okay. It's, a, it's the things we are compelled to, because of our identity to pursue, you know? I mean, this yeah. is who he is. Yeah. This is literally who he is. Let's do this, baby. Let's do this for a second. Let's say Tom Brady is a parishioner at your church. Um, you're you're the pastor at like, you know, First Baptist Tampa Bay with you know twelve thousand people in the church, and Brady's one of them. And uh, you know he he swings into your office one day and he's like, "Hey, I got this real tough decision. Um, you know what? How would you counsel me through it? What would you What would you say to Tom Brady?" Oh man, I well if I'm a if I'm a huge pastor of a huge church, the first question is, "Hey, can we talk about tithing real quick?" And exactly. like, you know, what's your salary going to look like? You know, after you go. Yeah, <laughs> we got to build this new pavilion. Second another... thing, I would. Yeah, yeah, we got to f- build an eighth <laughs> wing onto the church. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I don't. I mean, that would be that would be such a tough thing because if he had, you know, if this was somebody that had been, you know, hearing good preaching, and as much as he could, given who he is was able to be involved in any level of, of community with people that knew him and were able to be real with him and not just fascinated and impressed by him. You know, I feel like if there was any sort of foundation there, you'd be able to say, hey, man, you know, we're, we're, this is going to take time and we're going to have to step through this together because yeah. this is your everything. And the threat is that you're going to feel like your worth has no value or meaning because, you know, because you're, you're not a quarterback Right. You know, anymore. And so I think we just have to get into all those those foundational, like basic things and just say, hey, you know, let, let's look. Let's see what God might have for you next as he's going to, like, take you to this next sort of season of of uh, growth in your life, you know, based yeah. on this decision. So I don't I don't know. I guess that would be a starting point. I'm, you yeah. know. No, that's good. Somebody else and, and can do that better, but I, I actually think you said something really foundational there regarding church life, which is you know, kind of this dichotomy between really knowing people and really being known by people versus people just being amazed and impressed by you. And I think you reach a certain level yeah. of fame or maybe maybe it's even just a, a certain level of like self-importance or self-gazing or whatever where amazed and impressed is just all there is. It's what you're going for. And, you know, it's really easy in that moment yeah. to sort of yeah. lose any connection, any accountability, any sense of, um, you know, there being anything on the table with other people besides them just being amazed and impressed. And it sounds really nice, right? Like, it sounds nice to be able to walk into a room and have everybody fawn all over you and think that you're amazing. But at, at the end of the day, um, you know, as Christians, we're called to something deeper and better and richer and... um you know, it kind of makes me sad that yeah. like Brady probably has never had that, you know, and that I I doubt he's ever been a part of the life of the local church. And, um, you know, it's something that I would want everybody to have. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Pipe. Other I thoughts? know. And I wonder, too, just I mean, he's oh, I just I think it's going to be, you know, whatever the Lord does with him. And, you know, even if he if he was like a professing believer that I mean, he's on a journey now, man. I mean, this dude. Mm. You know, his career doesn't stop just because he's not on the field. I mean, he's going to be asked to do a thousand other things now. Um, so there's really, I mean, he's he's going to be in the public eye, but in in a multitude of different ways for sure. If he whatever he decides to do, yeah. so he's like he's still going to enjoy a level of fame, but it's not going to be for like 
like you said for the or Piper said for the one thing that he's known for being better than everybody else at, which that's just that's an ego. Th- I mean, there, there's so much that goes. It's so complex in yeah. some ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, it is because how many people get to have that experience of like rolling out of bed in the morning and knowing that you're better than everybody else at one thing. Um, that's not a common human experience, right? Like, um, so even, even the two of you as pastors or even you pipe, like growing up with your dad and, and all that stuff and seeing him pastor, like they probably never had to deal with anyone like that in their congregation. Um, it, it'd be a really, a really tricky one for a pastor. I'm thinking pipe. Yeah. It, it, I think it, it's tricky for in the sense of like the human relationship piece, how you how do you navigate it, you know, their relationship with other people. I don't think it's that complicated in talking to the person directly because it's basically just I mean, you just take them to Ecclesiastes basically. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, look, that's true. You and Solomon, a lot in common here. You've reached the pinnacle mm-hmm. of everything. You are the richest. You are the best. You have had all the women. You have had all the pleasures. Mm-hmm. Also vanity. So at the end of the day, what are you left with? And, and it, it doesn't make it easy for them to navigate that, but the decision isn't that complicated or the, the counsel yeah. in that way isn't that complicated. And when it comes to the whole, um, you know, job versus marriage thing, yeah, there's definitely more to the story. Who knows what that is? Not our business, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. I've counseled guys to quit their jobs to save their marriages before, you know, mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, if it's not quit a job, it's quit a, quit a thing, you know, Yeah. quit yeah. golfing, quit hanging out with those friends, <laughs> quit whatever it is because yeah. it's worth it, you know, do, do yeah. the necessary thing. So, yeah, I mean, if, if that was the sticking point and I was, you know, and I was the counseling pastor at first Baptist Tampa and he was in my office, um, in the building named after him for his massive donation, I would say, yeah, you <laughs> should retire. Like it's not worth it. It's, it's certainly not worth it to go back and play for you know, with a bunch of old wide receivers and a bad offensive line and get hurt, but yeah, it wouldn't be worth it even if you have another, had another shot at a Super Bowl. My question is this, and maybe this is what I'm missing in this, okay? Uh-huh. Did, did, did his wife give him an ultimatum or something? Was it, hey, it's either me or, or the game? Was that, was that something publicly that everybody knew about that was like stated to him? Yeah. Was, I, you know, because that's the way everybody makes, that's everybody makes it sound that like. Was, is like it, it, was it was rumored. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's definitely how it's framed, right? So there there was definitely this narrative I think that it's either me or football, but I don't know how explicit that was and and to Pipe's point only they know it and um yeah, I know. just didn't know if it went if that went public because that's you know, for example, like I'm so this this guy, there's this dude on Twitter who, you know, um you know, uh, whatever you think about him, a guy named Anthony Bradley, okay? So he he makes this comment. He goes greatest quarter, you know, talking about the retirement yeah. Greatest quarterback ever. I really hope he's able to get his family back. Giving them up for football was not a goat move. And I'm like, that just feels really simplistic to me. Yeah. You right. know? Right. I yeah. don't know. That's, uh, yeah. So, unless it was well, an ultimatum. But, you know, that's I, an ultimatum that had to have built over the year. That wasn't just, you know what I mean? That just didn't yeah. wake up one day and go, hey, you know what? I feel like you've just, you know, put an emphasis on football over our marriage for right. the last X number of years. The the flip side of an ultimatum, though, is a broken promise. I mean, it, it's just as likely and, you know, reporting can twist this where he says this will be my last year after the season. We're going to you know, I'm going to be invested in the family. And then like midway through the offseason, he's like, actually going back to the game. 
And so then it, you know, they, so I don't, without any details, it's certainly unfair to paint her as the one who's like, you're done. It's sort of the, the like battle axe lady who does that as opposed to him maybe saying I'm done. And then going back to it again, which is, which is what addicts do, you know, I swear it's the last drink I'll ever have. And then, then they're back at it. I mean, from the outside looking in, it looks, it looks strongly addictive personality uh, for him, you know, addicted to competition, addicted to being the best, whatever it is. So, and I'm not a psychologist. I just, you know, you talk to enough people who, who have those tendencies and you start to just kind of recognize them. So I, if, if I was to guess football was the football was the addiction, but his, you know, his behavior, his compulsions played, played a significant role in this. No, I agree. I think you're spot on. And I, I would never want his wife to be painted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pipe, you're not a psychologist. You're just a co-host on the Art of Pastoring Tom Brady podcast, which is what this has turned into for the last 13 minutes, boys. <laughs> um, that was wild, dude. Wild deal. I didn't expect it to go that that far in that direction, but we had some stuff we all needed to talk about vis-a-vis Tom Brady, and uh, apparently we could we could go much longer on it. But boys, um, as three of the best podcasters in the world, I think it's safe to say that. Uh, we got some bills to pay because we got we got massive amounts of cash rolling our way from this ostensibly. So uh, let's take a break, then we'll come back and talk about some other stuff. All right, boys, we're back. Uh, I want to do a short segment of shameless promo. All right, so we're just going to whip around the room. We're each going to shamelessly promo some stuff that we have out. Uh, we'll do that for a couple of minutes, then we'll take another break, and then we'll come back and talk uh artificial intelligence and how it's probably coming for our jobs but um baby let's start with you uh we'll go you then me then pipe for shameless promo um what do you want to talk about hi everyone if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault listen up we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uh, Shameless Prome. Um, I have a book coming out on, I think, April 11th. It's called uh, Pastoring Small Towns. It's uh, co-authored with a guy... Um, named Donnie Griggs, who wrote a book a few years back called Small Town Jesus. And we we just became friends and we've done some stuff together um, in like kind of small town, you know, kind of small town oriented things. And uh, I don't know, at some point after a bunch of conversations and and he's he's fought, he's you know, he has more experience and, and more knowledge than I do. He's been doing it longer than me. And um, so we just started kind of charting out what it would look like to do a book that encouraged pastors that are already in the small town context. Some of the books that have come out the last few years have been sort of like this push to 
like say, hey, you know, you, we, we can't forget the small towns. We need to be planting churches in small towns. You know, this big rush to the city and, you know, kind of making that our emphasis. Like, that's great, but let's not forget about small towns. They're important. So the emphasis that with this book is like, we're not trying to convince you to pastor a small town or plant a church in a small town, but just for the majority of pastors who are in small towns, and there's a lot of them, it's just to say, hey, here's, here's what you're facing. Here's some things that we've discovered. And here's how maybe, you know, you, you can be encouraged to, to keep going because it's, it's a different thing. So pastoring small towns on B&H, uh, drop in April. Baby, who's your New York guy? Uh, your friend in New York, Tony Stark. Is that his name? Is he? What, what are the odds he moves to a small <laughs> John town Stark. after? John Stark. Uh, oh, yeah, John Stark. My bad. The guy's always talking about New York. What, <laughs> what are the odds he reads your book? It makes small town pastoring look really sexy. And he's like, you know what? Enough with this New York. I'm shaking the dust of it off my sandals. I'm I'm finding myself a small town. What are what are the odds that happens? <laughs> oh, the odds are so low. Uh, mm-hmm. John Stark is the so he's the Midwest guy that went yeah. to New York to you know to do the to do the New York City dream. And I mm-hmm. I mean he's he's he embraces it. He's the New York dude, right? He's I, I would be surprised <laughs> if he ever left New York. That would be surprising to me. He's the so, New Yorker's my, New Yorker. He's he's having having drinks with Frank Gifford in the evening over at over at Tut Shores, you know, he's, he's loving that New York life. Um, I got a new book out boys. It's called the dog lives. Uh, it's a graphic novel. It's the third in a series. Um, you can run over to Amazon, a little online bookseller, uh, type in Ted Cluck or type in the dog lives and you can get it. Your kids will love it. You will love it. Um, Pixar will love it when they option it into a movie, uh, Pixar, Pixar family. I know you're listening. Um, please do that. I would, I would love the cash, uh, associated with it. Boys, I also launched a new Substack. Uh, I've got a Substack. It's at cluck.substack.com. Uh, it's going to be the online home of columns, personal essays, NFL draft insights written by my son and myself. So my kid has gotten to that age where I'm like, oh, he, he's a good writer. He can do this. So, uh, we're doing a, doing a little project together over at Substack. Um, doing some NFL draft analysis and some player breakdowns along with columns and, and like normalish things that I write as well. So go to cluck.substack.com, uh, throw me a little tier one subscription, five bucks a month, real cheap. Um, there's a lot of expensive things out in the world. This isn't one of them. Uh, hit that up pipe. What are you, uh, what are you promoting this morning? Um, I had a book drop at the beginning of January called Belong, uh, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. It's part, of a, it's part of a series that the Good Book Company is releasing in partnership with Acts 29. So I did one volume. Tony Marita did a volume. Jen Oshman did a volume, all of which are aimed at helping uh, church members, churchgoers, appropriately love their church. You know, how do you, so Tony wrote on gathering, Jen wrote on, on welcoming people. And I wrote on what does it mean to belong to a church? So I'm really trying to address the questions of what is, what does belonging look like to a church, both from a biblical perspective, as well as what does the culture at a church look like that, that creates that context. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's a short book. It's maybe 120 pages. So it's the kind of thing that you could you could buy for new new members classes or for church leaders to go through whatever. And I I really hope that it helps people who are feeling burnt out or cynical about church. Um, those people who are like, why is it worth it? 
I've tried a bunch of different churches. I've been hurt by this church and disappointed by this church and fed up with this church. So to, to get a vision for it that says, okay, the local church is worth investing in pretty deeply. Um, that's yeah. So that, and that's out now. You can get it at my website, uh, barnabaspiper.com or at Amazon or the good book company, uh, has bulk discounts. If you wanted to buy it for like a small group or a church group. Love it. Boys, let's take another quick break and we'll come back and talk about AI. All right, fellas, we're back. Uh, Piper, you dropped this into the group chat. Um, you wanted to talk about using chat GPT to write sermons or for students to write papers and how it's going to impact our industries. I always said, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, that the minute they found another middle-aged white guy to host a podcast would be the day that I got out of this game, right? And thankfully, that that hasn't happened yet. Um, thankfully, we're the only ones doing it. But um, this chat GPT deal, uh, I know it's got some professors feeling nervous. Um, professors are always nervous, but it's got them feeling more nervous. Uh, Pipe, how is it impacting uh, the pastoral ministry side of things? I, I too to be determined. It's one of those things where I, my guess is it, it's probably affecting your world more than mine right now, Ted, because, because students can write papers with it, uh, that kind of thing. Mm. I don't know how much it's being used by pastors. It's just one of those things. So, you know, there's in the, in the preaching world, there are always questions about what is appropriate, what's not, what's plagiarism, what's not, what's cutting corners, what's all that stuff. So, you know, like using a research assistant, there was always, it was a big deal Mm-hmm. when people would pay to use a research assistant on their sermons and some people would be mad about that or sermon plagiarism where you take somebody else's sermon and you use it without crediting them that you know i think that should be frowned upon so what is like how does this shape sermon preparation i was talking to a couple guys at church about it because there's a way to use this technology as it develops that that is just sort of research you know you know ask chat gpt mm-hmm. to like find me all the quotes on this theme or this subject or this verse or whatever. And it just sort of, it just sort of crawls its database and does that. But when you say, Hey, write me six paragraphs on, you know, a summary of Ephesians two, a, I don't know if it can do it. And B, you just sort of start to get into the, like, how, how much am I writing this sermon and fulfilling my calling as a pastor versus how much am I, you know, am I just cheating basically? And, 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 um, selling short my congregation in a lot of ways. So there's just there's just these questions about like, okay, wait, what is the appropriate use of this? How can it be used? I think there's still, most people are unfamiliar with it in terms of its its capacities. But here's an example of, of one of the things that it can do that's both kind of cool and kind of dangerous. So we, mm-hmm. we send out a daily email to our congregation, just like a two or three paragraph um, biblical encouragement by one of the pastors or staff members or elders, just sort of a reflection on a psalm or whatever. And I wrote one on a, a phrase out of the Lord's Prayer. And the guy who posts these came back to me later and he said, All right, so just for fun, I took what you wrote, I dropped it into Chat GPT and asked it to, to rewrite this as if Tim Keller wrote it. Oh, wow. And then he read it to me and it has very Kellery cadences. Now it's, it, <laughs> it's bo- it's boring because it doesn't have any of his personality, but it, it just sort of yeah. re- like it, it knows enough to go. This is how Tim Keller frames an argument, and so yeah. it yeah. it was 
it, you know, and so it took my themes and colorized it stylistically. And that's when I was like, oh, this makes me very nervous <laughs> that people yeah. can, that, that, that this kind of thing can happen. So all that to say, like, it's just, I don't think it's being used a ton, but there, the, it seems like it's, it's power for tempting pastors to be lazy is much greater than right. actually benefiting pastors to, to preach better and pastor better. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word. And I think, you know, you mentioned something in there that was really interesting and, and it's what I'm always drawn to in a writer is the personality, right? So like, you know, I'm drawn to my favorite four or five authors because there is something that's hard to put your finger on and hard to even quantify, but it, but it speaks to their personality, their life, their voice, whatever that, you know, so for, for my field, for journalism, you know, I'm not asking my students to write papers in most cases, they're writing product, right? And baked into the product is their voice the choices they make. And yeah, I mean, for some inverted pyramid news story, they could just drop in all the, the data points and probably get a story spat back at them. But um, I, I can still kind of tell if it's them or not, you know, because you get to know a writer and you get to know as a professor, even your students. And I think the, the joyful part of pastoring, the joyful part of professoring is knowing people and, you know, seeing their personalities come through on the page and, or from behind the pulpit or whatever, that's part of it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that a robot will ever be able to replicate that perfectly or perfectly enough. Uh, although I do wonder if I, if I dumped a bunch of my columns with my cadence, my turns of phrase, my whatever into chat GPT, and then I just gave it a topic I wonder if what it would spit out would really sound like me in all the ways that my columns sound like me. You know what I mean? And I, I, and I guess that's the part, I don't know if I'd be worried about it. I'd be, it would be novel. You know, I, I would definitely be intrigued by it, but I don't know. I guess, I guess, and Ronnie, I'll ask you to speak about this when I'm done bloviating, I guess in the sort of apocalyptic moment that we're living in, like this isn't exactly the thing that I'm worried about, but I'm I'm disappointed, <laughs> you know, you know, like I'm I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed that like robot stuff wasn't cooler. Like as a kid, I grew up watching the Jetsons, and I I just thought we'd be doing cooler robot stuff by this point than like cheating on papers. I don't know. I thought they'd be like flying around and bringing me food and like do, doing all that stuff. Um, where are you at on any of that, Big R? Uh, I got nothing. I didn't know anything about it. So I, everything I know now has been learned by the two of you. So that, that's it right there. Oh, well, <laughs> that was easy. Um, so All right. Well, let me, let, a, me let me pose a yeah. conceptual question to Ronnie then. Uh, I, I can give like this super quick flyover of what this thing is, which mm -hmm. I, it makes me really glad that he doesn't know because the less widespread this thing is, obviously the less damage it's doing. Uh, right. you know, if, and, and I don't, I don't mean to be apocalyptic about it either in terms of sort of like, this is the end of preaching. I don't think that's the case at all, but I'm, I think it'll be a temptation for some. So Ronnie, there's this thing called chat GPT, which is, it's, uh, for, they, they collected data legally because they're a nonprofit. So they were given access to all this web data, written data, print data, online data for several years. And then they, they put out this product where basically you can go in and give it prompts 
And you can give it really specific prompts, like the one I mentioned, rephrase this, like Tim Keller or as a Barack Obama speech or whatever. And it will, or you can ask it questions, you know, uh, sort of sort of search engine-y type of things. So it just has this massive way, uh, th- this massive database uh, to, to, to write and phrase things. And you could ask it to write a five paragraph essay depend- defending capitalism versus socialism, and it would do it, uh, that kind of thing. So that's ChatGPT in a super quick flyover. So my question for you as a, as a man of the cloth is if, if a pastor was going to use something like this for sermon prep, like the, the thing that throws me off is this thing doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Ostensibly, a pastor does, which means there's inspiration, there's guidance, there's understanding, there's, there's, there's a unique correlation between the person and the congregation. So in, in what way could something like this be used that, that's beneficial and then what are the pitfalls of using a, a database or a tool like this for sermon prep it, as a pastor? Like where, where, where does it sort of tip off the edge and go, oh, that's, that's terrible. Don't do that. Yeah, I guess the only thing I can think of is kind of what you said in the beginning was if you can, if you can just use it as like a basic research tool, you know, um, because I, you know, I'm like you guys, I would be really high on, you know, pastors, you know, communicating their own thoughts and coming up with their own observations and their own sense of application based on their, you know, their context and how they know their people and, and all of that. So, but there's also technicalities that go into, into prepping, which is, you know, based around, Hey, you know, I can't, somebody said some quote that I can't remember, or I would really love to have some quotes from these kind of authors or teachers about this particular thing. And so I think if it can be used as sort of a, uh, a more, uh, you know, a better Google maybe, or more in-depth Google, then I, you know, I don't see why that would be a big deal, but anything beyond that, where you're, you're literally getting turns of phrases and thoughts, you know, kind of that you're, that you then are, you know, uh, you know, putting on the page. Yeah. That that's, I don't think that's going to be cool for me, but yeah, I, I'm annoyed that like, of all the brilliant tech people in the world and all the things they could come up with, why did they come up with a thing to make life harder for writers to make a living? Like we're already sad and pathetic. Like why, why did they have to come for our thing? You know, like I just, I, I really take umbrage with that. Um, and I don't know if we have any well, even other comments on it, but my, my sense is it, when I, so even in talking to people about this, there are those people who are super excited about it. They just love the, man, the possibilities of this technology. And I'm like, possibilities yeah. is not a moral word. That just means it can do yeah. stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So so could the people who created the atomic bomb. I'm not sure that's been a, a largely positive thing for the world. Um, right. and, and so like possibilities. So they're, they're just enamored with possibilities. They also tend to completely overlook or poo-poo the, the intangible value of something like creativity or reflection or um, like you said, sort of the voice of the writer. The fact that when you read something from one person or you hear a sermon from one person, it resonates differently because of the human in it. Um, yeah. and, and so, and so I, I, I think they, the people who developed this, I imagine are in that realm. And then the people who love it are in that realm where they're just, 
they're they're not thinking about the human cost of this. Uh, I yeah. I am I mean I'm sure you can tell like while I'm not apocalyptic, I am largely uh, down on this as a thing, just because I'm like, oh, it's yeah. another shortcut for people to not think, not create, plagiarize, cut corners. And I don't mean cut corners unnecessarily. Like what Ronnie said, if there's a way to just get a catalog of every helpful uh, Eugene Peterson quote on the Psalms in in 35 mm-hmm. seconds, for yes, help me. That would be amazing. But uh, but when you say, all right, now write me a reflection on the Psalms of Ascent in the voice of Eugene Peterson, and then you just do a couple tweaks and put your name on it. That's what this can do. So I I don't know. I'm the the human cost of technology is always greater than anybody can anticipate or is willing to anticipate. It seems like. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with it. Like we always do this with technology, right? Like I don't know. Twelve years ago, we were like, "Hey, eight year old son, here's a smartphone. It's for sure going to addict you to pornography, and then it's secondarily going to addict you to like." gazing at yourself all day long via social media. But here, take this. Isn't it exciting what they can do? You know, and like now a decade later, we're like, you know, we have college kids who can't talk and, you know, they won't come out of their rooms because they're addicted to stuff and it's, and it's bad. But, but we always, we always kind of do this on the front end. We get sort of enamored by the possibilities without counting the cost of a thing. But, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Luddite anyway, if it were up to me, we'd be like, chiseling stone tablets probably still so um (laughs) that wouldn't be great either we wouldn't be podcasting boys i'll tell you that we wouldn't be making this huge podcast money um if that were the case and uh we should probably go and wrap this one and do a patreon and make yet more money so boys we've done what we always do in this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some topics including pastoring tom brady uh which was unexpected and until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.